we would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups and your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human beings. I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. Welcome everyone to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael, Jedi Knight and Master. I'm in the Back to Waters with my lightsaber ignited with David. Hello, David. You're my protocol droid. Oh, I don't get like a special chain shirt or anything like a Mandalorian chain shirt that I can wear. No, you're just a protocol droid. Be, be happy or I'll dismantle you. <laughs> You'll dismantle me. And then also in the Back to Waters which I don't know how that would work with the circuitry, but uh, my astromech, which is Reyna. Hello. I'm in my own back to pod. Thank you. Okay. We're back from a very long break. I know we had received lots of questions <laughs> yes, pertaining to our sudden disappearance. We were in the midst of covering the latest Star Wars live action series produced from Disney Plus or to, produced by Disney Plus, I should say. And we never returned. And we'll get into the reasons why towards the end of our discussion. But I think people probably can get the, the gist of why we never returned. Because, David, there was another series we were covering once that we also didn't return for. <laughs> yes. That one was really bad. So, you know. Well, you know, that what, one. What was that it? One... Star Wars. Um, I don't even remember the resistance that, that that like shattered your soul when it happened. Yeah. That destroyed me. A piece of me died inside. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why, you know, we say that Justin Ridge no longer exists. <laughs> yeah. He died. he died and we don't, and he got really injured. He got beat up by black chrysanthemum and we did not allow him to swim in our back to waters. We just let him die. And then Dave Filoni kept smacking him with his hat. Yeah. Which is fine. Okay. Let's get into the topics for today, which is basically going to be a roundup discussion. We're going to go through all the latest and greatest Star Wars news because we have not done one of these in a very long time. And there has been a lot of Star Wars news that has been dropped on us over the last, uh, what, four or five months that we have not had the opportunity to discuss and get excited about. Yeah, surprisingly, too, because remember, they've been actually really slow with a lot of news the last maybe two years and everything. But just in over about like five five months so many things have been dropped so especially trailer wise yeah lots of video games comic books books live action tv series all that good stuff oh yeah okay so let's start with the biggest news which i think is very fitting for our first show back officially star wars obi-wan kenobi does have a premiere date this is something we had been talking about all last year and while we were gone the news dropped as well as a trailer. And I will say I am very excited for this TV show. Another reason why I'm really excited about it, Dave, not only did the visuals look fantastic, but John Williams <laughs> is returning to compose the Obi-Wan Kenobi theme, which did you get a lightsaber boner when Duel of Fates started? 
oh yeah, Dave, of course. I mean, how can you not be excited for John Williams to I come back? I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't uh, during the trailer when that happened. I immediately got chills. Yeah. Well, there there was that big announcement that they made. I want to say leading up to the release of the Rise of Skywalker, and they had said that John Williams is pretty much done. Yeah. After this movie, he's done with Star Wars because he's just he's getting rather old and he probably just doesn't have the energy or the he wants to retire. He's close. He really wants to retire. Yeah. So he is coming back, which I think is I think that's awesome. And John Williams doesn't need to come back, but it does show that he is dedicated. He doesn't need the money. I feel like he he has a deep connection to Star Wars, knowing that Star Wars essentially is what launched his career. So if they plead and say, please, John Williams, come back. Of course, he's going to be like, yeah, you know what? Why not? One or two songs here and there, and then you guys can repurpose it throughout. Why not? Let me do that for you. Because that has been one of my bigger issues with the live action TV shows is the the themes themselves are pretty fucking cool. Like the Mandalorian theme is pretty is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the fat theme is really cool. Well, because they're so stylized. Yeah. But after that, the actual composition throughout the, the episodes, it's very simple. Uh, they're very simple, very basic. And it's, it's kind of par for the course with meaning the times that we're in. There's not a lot of people actually composing classic music any longer for films. You know, the John yeah. William days are just way behind us. And a lot of times what we get uh, is a lot of sounds. We get sound design, essentially. It's not really music. It's sound design. Yes. Lots of different cool little electronical sounds put into like a rhythm, and then there's your score. And that's what they do for both Fett and Mandalorian. And at times, it really does work. And then there's moments where you're just wanting a little bit more. For example, the Luke Skywalker scene in the Mandalorian season two finale. Like, imagine if we had the actual Luke Skywalker score oh, yeah. with that scene. We all would have died of heart attacks because <laughs> we couldn't take it. Oh, yeah. But instead, they give us this real odd. I mean, it, it works now when I listen to it. I'm like, OK, I'm OK with it. But it's very strange. It doesn't even fit the action, which when you compose music, your hits need to match, match. the actual action. So it feels natural. There's a there's a flow that goes with the visuals as well as the music and it didn't even really quite match so i am ecstatic 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 that uh john williams is returning because i feel like that will be the icing on the cake for something that looks to be uh fantastic well for star wars fans especially since mandalorian and boba fett were more stylized to be kind of like an homage to the western genre right Kenobi is not, it can't be that. Kenobi can't be an homage to the Western. Kenobi has to continue that same vibe we all get when we watch the original films or when we watch, say, even like Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. It's not going to feel like a Western. That's why I was okay with like Mandalorian and, and uh, Boba Fett's soundtrack quality because they use the music there to do simple music cues that you would expect in right. a spaghetti western and in like a uh in a like American Americanized Western and a John Ford type oh, of western. John Favreau's idea of a western, yeah. Exactly. Which he doesn't quite understand westerns. <laughs> that's a that's a that is a discussion for another time. <laughs> but I've had that debate with some film professors. 
And they're like, yeah, it's a little off. It's not really just because you call it a Western. It's not really. A it's Western. not really a Western. Yeah. Yeah. But like with Kenobi, that's a different vibe that you have to get. You can't go to a stylized Western feel. It's got to. I've always felt it's got to feel like. Like the original, not not the original movies, you know, New Hope and Empire and Return. It has to feel like the prequels again. Yeah, the prequel era. No, I, I would agree, especially with the time frame that we're in. You know, we've already been in this time period a bit between, you know, when you take into account Solo, Rogue One, Star Wars Rebels. We we're in this area already. We've been in, we've we've been playing in this time frame already and it has a very specific feel so if they were to kind of change it it'd feel a little weird especially Uh since you're dealing with a character that is directly connected to the prequel era so yes i do expect it to feel slightly different it does have to have its own voice It, it can be something else because this isn't necessarily the skywalker saga this is an obi-wan story so I don't mind if they take some creative liberties and create their own voice. In fact, I would want them to, but don't stray too far from the original feels because then you run the risk of creating something entirely different. Yeah. Can I bring up some concerns that I have? Go for it. Go for it. Can we talk about the elephant in the room about how this guy is 90 years old? Wait, who's 90 years old? John Williams. Oh, yeah. John Williams. Yeah. Okay, so... I get okay. So yes, watching the trailer, you get excited because you hear a recycled song. Okay, that's yeah. great. You can easily do that. Okay, but if this dude croaks mid season <laughs> or even before <laughs> middle, wow, of Rena. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like I have concerns about that. I hope he doesn't, for obvious reasons. He's gonna die right. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what that'll sound like if he hits the keyboard, you know, oh, like oh, really my, his head music. his head just hits the keyboard. Oh. That's so fucked up. Raina, you're fucked. How dare you? <laughs> well well Mike, it might be poetic. It might be poetic. I mean like him going out on the stage is like, you know, a fighter going out uh, out in the ring. Like how Raina's all, oh yeah, David gets it. I'm sure that's exactly what you're thinking about. It's the it's the poetry, but it's so poetic. It makes so much sense. It, it works. Can. If it sounds super dramatic and something's happening, that would, how could that not be poetic? Yeah. Unfortunately, they won't use that, or maybe fortunately, they won't use it. If he dies in the middle of a song, they're not going to use a recording. <laughs> I just wanted to bring it up because he's kind of old. So no. the fact that he's composing music at this age is fucking awesome. Okay. Well, look what he did. He did come back. Okay. When, I don't want to say come back because what came first, solo or rev- uh, Rise, Rise of Skywalker was Rise the last. Rise of Skywalker okay. was the last. He did a similar thing with Solo. If you remember, he came in and did the initial theme for Solo, a Star Wars story. And that theme was fucking killer. But then they had another composer, John Powell, who came in and worked side by side John Williams to assist him. In fact, I believe John Williams didn't actually sit there with the orchestra. He actually wrote the music and then gave it to John Powell to actually be the physical maestro that put together the piece. And I believe that's what they're doing with Obi-Wan as well. He's not actually going to be there and be the maestro and, and, and direct the orchestra. He probably has an assistant. Yeah. And it's probably going to be the guy who's doing the rest of the score. All right. So so, concerned. 
<laughs> it's, a, it's a legitimate concern. Yeah, well, Reina seems to think that he like records music on like Audacity or ProSonus, and he's gonna be in the middle of doing a digital score and just croak. I'm like, well, dude, you know what's exactly. you know what's even crazier? Uh, because I I was reading the article talking about John Williams coming back mm -hmm. to Star Wars. He's even slated to come continue on and go into Indiana Jones Five to do the score for Indiana Jones Five in 2023. Listen, if the man is feeling, you know, upbeat, he I has lots of energy, then let him, let the man work, David. Let the man work, I guess. It, it, do you, do you feel like his quality has dipped at all? Uh, honestly, no, I don't think it's dipped, which is amazing. Do you remember how much we oogled, is that the word, oogled over the solo score? Oh, Yeah. I mean, even even his score in Rise of Skywalker was really good. Yeah, no problems there. It was a lot better than the original, uh, than the Force Awakens score, which wasn't really even yeah, a score. It was because so re low. Remember, me and you were even complaining about Rise of Skywalker that they didn't use his score properly. You mean Force Awakens? <laughs> Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Variety reports that May 25th will be the debut for the Disney Plus series Obi-Wan Kenobi. Skipping the popular... May the 4th, which had a lot of Star Wars fans scratching their head, wondering why? Why was, not May the 4th? Yeah. And the reason why is because they decided to release it on the 45th anniversary of Star Wars A New Hope, which yes. was the original release, which was May 25th. Yeah. And, and at, when they said that, that made much more sense. So, but this does kind of stack the deck that I'm really hoping May the 4th, the celebration that normally goes through because that's our holiday as Star Wars fans. We get a lot of content. We have to get a lot of content, Mike. Yeah. I have, I'm cautiously optimistic about the Kenobi series. I am excited to see what another creative team can do from the TV side. And in my opinion, because both Mandalorian and the Fett and Fett have not been Highly critically praised. <laughs> like there are Star Wars fans that rally behind it. Absolutely. Yes. Especially the Mandalorian. Fett is another story. A lot of people hated Fett a lot. Um, and I don't think it deserves that much hate. But I will say I am intrigued. By the new creative team. I want to see what someone else can do because I I'll be completely honest. Like I love Dave Filoni and I have no. I see no problems with his upcoming Ahsoka. I have a feeling that's going to be fucking great because it's just awesome. him. He is producing it. He is writing it. And Favreau is simply an executive producer. He's going to have none of his dirty fucking Cheeto fingers in this at all. But the same can be said about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, except it is missing Dave Filoni. We have a completely different team involved in this. And that to me makes me a little more excited for this. And I'll be perfectly honest. if. John Favreau was also producing and writing this, I probably wouldn't even watch it. And I'm being perfectly honest because I, I don't think I can continue to take John Favreau's <laughs> disjointed storytelling that has no actual coherence in the way of narrative. It's, there's no rhyme or reason for some of the things he does. And I just don't want to, I don't want to keep getting myself angry with the lack of writing talent. And people say, well, you know, George Lucas, I'm like, he wasn't the greatest writer when it comes to certain things, but he knew the ins and outs of writing a proper screenplay. He knew his universe. And he also knew 
how to write a screenplay. He doesn't have the best handle on dialogue, but his stories are coherent. They make perfect sense. So I am looking forward to that, to see what this new team can do. Yeah. And if it does great, who knows? We may get more from this team and we may get some more Obi-Wan because as of now, it's just simply a limited series, which I think is safe because I'm also hesitant about that. As I've said numerous times, they have to be careful with how much they actually delve in to this, this era mm-hmm. because they could run the risk of, of fucking up some things continuity wise. Very easily. Yeah. Very easily. Well, because they've done already quite a bit in this time period. Not to mention New Hope, as we have said, there's heavy implications that they haven't seen each other, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan, in a very, very, long time. very, very long time. And if you continue to drag this out, it would feel very insincere and disconnected from New Hope. Oh, yeah. And you have to... The one thing that I'm just worried about as a fan is them messing up any continuity that we as fans of Star Wars Rebels because a lot of the elements that we saw in Obi-Wan, the trailer tie heavily to what happened in Clone Wars or not Clone Wars, uh, Rebels especially with the Inquisitors because Mm -hmm. remember the Inquisitors are or were portrayed as Darth Vader's personal elite. Yeah, Jedi Hunters they're the ones that Darth Vader sends out He he doesn't go himself he sends out his Inquisitors. That's small shit. Yeah. And yet, here we are. We're going to have Obi-Wan facing off against the Inquisitors mm-hmm. prior to Rebels. Yeah. That's really, it's really scary. But now, I have faith that Deborah, I think it's Deborah Chow, mm-hmm. is, it knows what she's doing because she's worked close with Dave Filoni in Clone Wars and in Rebels. So she knows the story beats that have to meet. Because that's the thing. Because if they deviate any little bit, there's a chance that they're going to ruin the, they're going to cause a continuity mishap. If something happens in Obi-Wan, explain why it doesn't brought up in Rebels then. Right. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see what happens. As I said, I'm, I'm optimistic. I am too. I mean, even what, what did you say, Raina? You said you were cautiously optimistic. Cautiously, yes, thank you. Cautiously yeah. optimistic. Even with the even with the current um, like fan criticism of the trailer about the Inquisitor looks, that doesn't bother me. I tell fans, I, don't worry about that stuff. I, I don't care if things don't look like they did in a cartoon because one is a fictionalized depiction, a caricature, if you will. Yeah, and the other is actual reality. And those people that complain that there are too many differences in the way the facial structure looks on the Inquisitor compared to what it looked like in Star Wars Rebels, I feel that's a little silly because are then you are you suggesting that a live action Ezra Bridger should look like a Disney cartoon, a Disney princess? I was about to say Disney princess or but, Disney princess, <laughs> but essentially you want him to look like Aladdin, right? <laughs> you want, it would be really silly. All right, so there was some hesitation, according to some insiders, about bringing Hayden Christensen back to Star Wars. And I have not gone into this article as of yet. However, I would imagine there would be. Not because he isn't, you know, 
capable of playing this role. I believe, and I always have said this, that he did just fine as Anakin. It was the role that was written. And he, I feel, got... I think he got blasted for his acting when he was simply doing what was on the page. Exactly. And when you look at how Kylo Ren acted, I feel like that resolved a lot of or reconciled some of those issues people had with the prequel because of Hayden Christensen's performance as Anakin, because Kylo Ren acted the same. He, he's a child. He's a brat. Like That's the point. Luke Skywalker did the same thing in Empire Strikes Back, throwing a fit because Yoda didn't want to train him and hits his head on the fucking on the fucking roof. roof. Like, <laughs> he was a whiner in New Hope. He was a whiner in Empire Strikes Back. That is kind of the archetype of of the Skywalker. So I never had a problem with Christensen's performance. You're gonna have to talk. I'm losing my voice. No, but I understand where you're going with it. Is like it's it's interesting that they would have hesitation because like they have to actually be really mindful of the fact that when the prequels first came out, and actually this would be an interesting question for you, Rena, because I'd like to actually hear what your side of this was. When the prequels came out. Everyone under the sun, I always remember them criticizing, hating Christensen each and every movie. Oh, he's, he's not, he's too whiny. He's too emo. But when you take a look at his performance, it matches what Darth Vader should have actually be, why he, his journey went the way. And also if you watch Hayden in other movies, he does, he does just fine. I mean, Jumper was an amazing movie with Samuel Jackson. Like that movie was was awesome. I was hoping they made another one, and he was great in that film. So it's never been him. It's if anything, if you want to blame it on anyone, blame it on Lucas's I decision. Hate to say it. Yeah, blame it on his directing. Blame it on his decision to make Anakin a little whiny sometimes, and and a bit of a brat. Was it whiny? He was, I mean, I never saw it that way. I always saw it as this is the pain and torment that this character went through. He had to have internal battles with his mind and his heart constantly. And I never saw that as whiny. This was what it took to make Darth Vader who he is. And now if you really go deep into it, if you really know who Darth Vader is, you know, it's constant pain and torture that makes it for him who he is. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you just said. I'm just using words that people have thrown to to complain about him. But no, I agree. It's 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 an internal torment. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I'm pretty sure that Disney, after what happened with all the fans and them criticizing him as hard as they did, he went into a depression. And so so did, you know, obviously Obi-Wan. Well, not Obi-Wan. Hugh McGregor. <laughs> Oh, he will always yeah. be Obi-Wan. <laughs> they, I'm sure Disney is like, okay, we got to be careful because mentally we got to make sure these guys are going to be okay. Are they going to, are the fans going to fucking attack them again? And and it's sad that basically as a film, as a filmmaker, you have to go into your franchise and actually be thinking that because, oh, should we bring back this character? Because so much v- fan hostility has been in, into it. Is it safe to bring them back? Yeah. And I mean, I'm there's sure, a I'm reason sure. why people, people don't see Jar Jar Binks. It's only <laughs> till recently. And, and in all seriousness, everyone constantly says, why don't they bring Jar Jar Binks? Well, because he 
he is uh, he's one of the most hated characters in all star wars i think it's just a it's cool to hate jar jar binks at this point because honestly exactly he's not that bad dude he's what, not if lucas made a few changes because this is where i do agree that he could have he lucas could benefit from uh from an actual peer working on the set with him unfortunately he's surrounded by a bunch of people who probably idolize him because he's george fucking lucas but if he was working on this movie with someone else that he viewed as a peer who could say ah you know what this is a really great idea but let's pull back just a bit because jar jar binks is just a few decisions away from being a character that works just fine the thing that really irked me in phantom menace was his asshole behavior you know at the end where <laughs> yeah. where he's accidentally defeating all the battle droids and i hate things like that it's very slapstick like he's trying to get away from them and he accidentally kills all of them it's just it's a little over the top it's one time top. doing that is fine let's say he takes out a couple droids by accident that would be funny because that takes like out R2. an entire like garrison including a vessel <laughs> a vessel yeah yeah so there are moments that you kind of sigh i'm like ah oh, geez but on a, on a side note of that mike do you think well that's gonna happen say in 10 years 10 years time just like prequels mm -hmm. do you think we'll look at the new trilogy the, the same way no the sequel trilogy yes no no not even close because even close be, i know people keep, i know ryan johnson hopes i i know he wishes, i know he hopes <laughs> i know he wishes for that to be a, a fact in fact i believe he even tweeted something out saying a lot of people hated Empire when it first came out, too. And then 15 years later, it becomes everyone's favorite Star Wars movie. But I'm like, dude, don't compare your movie to one of the greatest films of all time. Empire Strikes Back is probably on the top 50 greatest films of all time. Not the best Star Wars feature, the best 50 films of all time. Don't compare your movie to that. You sound arrogant. And also, you're completely wrong because... Good writing will always be good, and bad writing will always be bad. Ten years from now, we're not going to reassess your horrible script and say, <laughs> well, actually, this is pretty fucking good. The rules of writing, they're not going to change in 10 or 15 years. <laughs> they don't, know. Empire Strikes Back was not overly liked when it first premiered because it was very different from New Hope, and people didn't understand how or i should say people didn't know how to feel about it because they felt conflicted because it didn't fit the, their expectations based on how it was formed after watching new hope because empire strikes back is a very different type of movie but the movie was never criticized for being terribly written you know the last jedi is not a great script it's a beautiful movie beautiful cinematography good acting but there's a lot of nonsensical elements that they just pull the entire thing down. Pull it down, yeah. And there's nothing that you can point to an empire and say, oh, look, it's similar to that. <laughs> it's there's no useless storyline with a character that goes off to do a few different things that doesn't even pay off in the end and doesn't, doesn't matter. The end. And then give us this weird hokey message about not war. joining. <laughs> yeah. Don't and, join the war. Yeah. Okay. Do you so, think that being overly critical of films has taken the joy out of out of these films? It, I'm sorry. What'd you say? Do you think that in general, people being overly critical of films, and not just Star Wars, but Star Wars being what we're talking about, has taken the the enjoyment out of everything, taken the joy out of it? I think true intellectual 
discussion around films and let's broaden that just that statement a bit the arts in general music tv there isn't a lot of people who actually know what they're talking about that are talking if that makes sense there are a lot of people who are just simply regular joes who have no real background when it comes to discussing things so they're not really quite sure what they're even watching. They just know they don't like it because it's not what they would have done. Yeah. That's what fills social media up is a bunch of people saying, well, this is what I would do. And that's why, David, and you can attest to this, something that I always say to every single host is don't tell me what, what you, you would have done and don't review a movie or a TV show based on the idea that it didn't do what you wanted it to do based on what they gave us and if it was a capable product yeah. in the ways of writing and directing and all the other good stuff. So yes, I do feel like social media Reina ha has led to the demise of a lot of things. And it's really sapped the excitement of things because there's just so much negativity around everything and everything's woke. Now I'm not saying everything is woke. I'm saying, according to those people, everything's woke. If there's a black person, that's oh, woke black people <laughs> equal woke. Oh, there's a gay person as woke. I'm like, no, that's not. I think you're just, you're just very, very happy to just throw that word out. So anyways, let's get back to the topic at hand here. Hayden Christensen for the new Star Wars show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, was not made without serious discussion. So him being brought back was not made without serious discussion and pushback. Lucasfilm's president said in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, um, the debate around whether we should do that or not carried on for quite some time. Everybody within our creative team has strong opinions and all of our fans have strong opinions. Yeah, you think? So when you realize <laughs> that you're under that level of scrutiny, certainly a story point like that is going to be scrutinized at a very high level. And we talked about it constantly. Time out. Time out, Mike. Do you realize this is the first time we've seen Kath or heard from Kathleen Kennedy did they even use her name? That is the Lucasfilm oh, right. president <laughs> that they're talking about. But they don't actually say her name. They don't say her name. They but give it's... you details. That's not actually a part of the interview saying yes. Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy. But when, when I went to the Entertainment uh, Weekly site and everything and more details about it, Kathleen Kennedy is the one that's giving the quote. Yeah. And I'm like, going, wait a minute. Time out. The one thing me and you have been saying is where the frick is Kathleen Kennedy throughout this entire time? Yeah, her name's not being used a lot right now. Just because, you know, just like there's a lot of scrutiny behind bringing a character like Darth Vader back. There's also a lot of scrutiny about her about involvement her. in anything. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually really shocked that she kind of emerged out of the out of her her secret hidey hole to actually answer questions for the she, entertainment she, weekly. She was in exile. Like Yoda. she was in her own Dagobah. Yeah. You remember Yoda? You know, he went to exile because he failed. Well, she also failed and she went to exile. <laughs> she went to exile. Oh my God. All right. So Christensen will play Darth Vader in the forthcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, and we will apparently see a different version of Vader than what we've seen before. Obi-Wan Kenobi director, Deborah Chow has recently said, she said, I want to do something that was character based and character driven. Oh, my God. Thank you. Because that is the benefit of the limited series is that you have more time to sort of tell a real character story. And so for me, the starting place of a character 
is you just start and you look at who has been important to him in his life. I mean, that's logical. And it, and honestly, when you really thought about it, I, I was in the camp also prior to Obi-Wan. I was really worried about bringing in Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. We, we've talked about that at length. Yeah. But the more he, more times passed and I actually started thinking about, well, where could they go with the narrative here with Obi-Wan? Obi-Wan is in exile. And at this point, he's in this kind of like introspective moment in his life on Tatooine because his main concern is protecting Luke. But we also have to remember that the last time we saw him but prior to that, he had just actually left his friend burning to ashes on, yeah. on, on that planet. And then the last, the last thing he's told is Yoda looking at him and saying, more, tra- more training for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to train with your former master. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. <laughs> yeah. And if the story ended there, that would be just fine. In fact, I always felt it was very definitive. But then upon further reflection, after it was announced that Vader was, in fact, going to be a part of the story, I had to reflect a little further and really think about whether or not it could work. Because we still have those lines from Tarkin and New Hope and Vader when they are talking. You know, it's very clear that Vader has not seen or heard of Obi-Wan for such a long time that he assumes he's dead. And yes. Tarkin says, you're the last of your religion, my friend. Yeah. So there's a heavy implication that Obi-Wan is completely MIA. No one knows of his whereabouts and they all assume he has been killed or he has died. So they have to be very careful. And that's why I've been so hesitant for so long. But then we started talking about that moment at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And there is definitely a story there between the two of them because Obi-Wan thought he had killed Anakin for him to now leave and then see that Vader is alive, but now a machine. Yes. And then Anakin knowing that Obi-Wan has to be alive out there somewhere because the last he saw of him was Obi-Wan running. Yeah. And leaving him to die. So there is a story there and there are questions. And obviously I would assume that Vader would be obsessed with looking for Obi-Wan for revenge. Well, especially with the amount of hatred that, I mean, that, that scene is so powerful. That scene to me has grown like a fine wine where basically so good. Anakin just looks at Obi-Wan and starts screaming. I hate you. It was so shocking. The the first time you watch that in the theater, it is so shocking. And it's like this rage-filled, unending anger. And it's understandable because to to Darth Vader, Obi-Wan's that one person that will always trump him. And it's that constant irritation. Yeah. There is a lot of, there's a lot they can do. And I like what Deborah Chow says about this being character-driven and the fact that she wanted to tell a story about Obi-Wan and she just went along these this line of thought that, hey, what are people, who are people that would be a part of this person's life that would make sense to bring in? And that kind of makes me feel like she's going to do what I had talked about several months ago, Dave. If you remember, I had said, I hope Obi-Wan has some type of, yes, he's a Jedi and they know how to temper their emotions and their feelings, but... I would love to see an Obi-Wan that possibly lives with a little bit of guilt that he maimed 
Anakin, someone that he viewed as at a time as a son and then later as as a brother, as a brother, even though he felt like, yes, that's the thing I needed to do. Imagine living with the fact that he didn't just put him down, which probably would have been better. He left him handicapped, maimed. And and that's got a way on him. So they they, have to address that. What's that? They have to address that. Yeah. I mean, that's heavy. And that would be such a great way to really immediately, immediately for the audience to get into the mindset of Obi-Wan. Yeah. And how he becomes the Obi-Wan we know in New Hope, where he's more, he's more at peace with himself and he's more driven. Well, we, we're not quite sure yet if he is. Now, I would agree with you based on Rebels. Yeah. Because he was just so samurai-esque in Rebels. Well, remember, As, he, the, the, the most amazing... That's, that's still like how many years after uh, the Obi-Wan series takes place 10 years after, roughly 10 years after Revenge of the, Revenge Sith. Of the Sith. His scenes in Rebels takes place, what, one to two years? Before, before New, New Hope. Hope. Yeah. So there's about eight or nine years there of continued growth as a Jedi Knight or a Jedi Master. So I don't think he'll be as reserved. Yeah. Or focused. But definitely, I mean, 10 years on Tatooine meditating. I'm hoping we get areas involving the ways of the Force and his training. Like, I would love to see him communing with. Qui-Gon? Qui-Gon Jinn. That'd be really cool. Because that was one of those those moments that I don't like in Revenge of the Sith when they quickly throw that in and Yoda says, more training you have. <laughs> and I was like, what, what a, wait a second. You've never really fully explained how Jedi Knight disappeared in the original trilogy and now you're just going to explain it with a few words well, also, in the last 30 seconds of your movie. Also, the one line that will always stick with me from Rebels is when Darth Maul is, t- is telling him about that he lives in squalor right now and look at him. And then Obi-Wan looks at him and the line I love is like, he says, but do you realize what I've risen above? Yeah. And I'm like, going, if they touch on that. Yeah, they here, got, they have to, that could be really cool to watch. Give us some of that evolved Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think that would be a, a good decision. Okay, so when it comes to the live action side, we also have, and it seems like a lot of people have forgotten because there was a lot of excitement around Mandalorian and, of course, Obi-Wan, and people have forgotten Andor. <laughs> yes. We can't, we can't forget about laugh- I've Andor. been laughing at this one. Because I'm also excited for this one, especially because it's supposed to be a spy thriller. Yes. Which I think is something that would be completely u- unique to the world of Star Wars. So Andor will likely be, according to this article, according to this article, be the first live action Star Wars show without Luke Skywalker. And I, I feel like that's just fine. That's fine. I feel <laughs> like that should be the case because we need. And this is hard for me to say because I love Luke Skywalker. I love the Skywalker saga, but we do need to move on. We do need to move on. And I, I do think that they're relying too heavily now on Luke. And I'm a little conflicted because the Star Wars fan in me is begging for more Luke. But the, the, the pessimistic side of me is, you know, alarms are going off. This could be really dangerous because if they keep trying to bring Luke back 
you can't continue to use CGI because it becomes a gimmick. And also the CGI is not going to work for the long haul. You can't do an entire TV series with a CGI face because yes, in FET, it looked fucking great. But there are moments that you get as he moves. There's a little bit of that uncanny valley aspect. It looks a thousand times better than it did in the season finale of Mandalorian. Yeah. But I also at the same time, feel like if they're going to continue to use Luke, if this is going to be a thing, then they need to just recast. They they need to quit trying to, you know, fake us into thinking this is Mark <laughs> Hamill. We all know better. We know Mark Hamill is 70 years old. Yes. So just recast the role. Give it to Sebastian Stan, who looks like <laughs> fucking Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. Like the more I look at that guy, when I was watching Falcon and Winter Soldier this past year, you're I'm like looking going, at his face. I'm oh, like, the dude looks like Mark Hamill. He really does look like a young Mark Hamill post his accident leading into Empire Strikes Back. Totally does. So, yes, Andor will likely be the series without Luke. And I think that's for the best. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Reyna and Dave? Like, do you feel like we need to pull away from relying on Luke because it'll hurt future installments of Star Wars because then that'll be the expectations rather than working on something new and something completely new, like original. Should we continue to just hearken back to characters that have already been established? Yes, there is a a smarts to that for certain things. And it's worked so far. And I do believe it has worked so far for Mandalorian. But think about this before you answer your question. Or answer the question. Mandalorian season two, specifically the finale, the biggest thing people talk about is Luke Skywalker, not actually the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And that's the danger of bringing in a big swinging dick like that into these series. Because then you just think of Luke. Look at Fett. Fett, I feel, was off to a good start. First three episodes. Then they take us to one of the greatest things we've ever seen in our lifetime. Luke and Ahsoka on the same screen with Grogu and the Mandalorian. That's amazing. Yes. And then they expect us to want to go back to boring Fett on Tatooine. (laughs) Who can't seem to land a punch, can't fight worth shit, can't do anything on his own. Walks through the city of Tatooine when there are swoops all over the place. But he walks from the fucking Dune Sea. Which is like miles, by the way. I think hundreds of miles. <laughs> he apparently walks uh-huh. from the Dune Sea all the way into Mos don't, Espa. Don't, don't get yourself angry. I could see your the, blood the, pressure the boiling. The rationale <laughs> and the logic behind is indicative of Favaro's stupidity. <laughs> now take a deep breath. So Mike. my point is, is that do we want this to continue to happen in other series if they keep bringing Luke in? Because don't you feel like it's going to undermine the other series? I'll let you go first, Rena, before I give my thoughts. Okay. Um, I personally am kind of tired of them beating what I feel is a dead horse. I mean, you're you're going after all the same characters. Maybe it's because I've done enough research in terms of books and movies and everything else, comics. So I'm tired of hearing about the same thing, but that's me. But you're right because we are being introduced to new characters, kind of. We'll see how it goes for Black Chrysanthemum, but they're not they're not hitting the target like the old characters are. Yeah. So that's what concerns me is that it is drawing in the fans and the fans are getting excited. New fans that we kind of need to keep the Star Wars lines going. Yes. 
My short answer is no, but we kind of need them. You're right. That's the problem we are in right now with Star Wars. We all know that we need to move on. I don't think there's a Star Wars fan out there that doesn't think in the back of his mind, yeah, it's time to start exploring other things. But also we're conflicted because we all love our characters, our classic characters. But there's going to come a time that we have to move on. And if we don't start developing other characters that we can rally behind besides the Mandalorian. But then again, remember, you have Luke in there, you have Ahsoka, you have all these other characters that are taking away from that focus. That focus. Okay, Dave, go now, ahead. Now, all right. Are you ready for me to cross the streams, Mike? Go because for it. This is my this is my after Boba uh, after the Boba Fett series I came to the realization about Star Wars the main problem and it's exactly what you and Reina both brought up is the fact that we're relying too much on those characters that we all love the nostalgic characters mm-hmm. right it started with the freaking unfortunately even going back into the new trilogy what were the strong points and what were the negative points? Everyone was excited to see all our nostalgic characters back. Mm-hmm. Everyone was disappointed to see our nostalgic characters die. Then you get to like Mandalorian. Mandalorian was starting off really good, but the only thing that basically really brought it over the hump was bringing in a character like Luke Skywalker. And then all of a sudden everyone talks about the Mandalorian, right? And then we have to call back to Luke again in, in Boba Fett. The Boba Fett series in itself is not even about an original character. It's about a character that's nostalgic that they're trying to make a new history of for Boba Fett. Boba Fett's not original. Boba Fett's been around since Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> He's been around for a long time. And then even with Obi-Wan, my red flag is like they're calling on stuff like Inquisitors to also entice us as you know, Clone Wars fans and Rebels fans, hey, look, we're bringing you the characters that you guys know, right? We're going to bring in John Williams. We're going to bring in Duel of Fates. Everyone's going to be excited. And I, at the beginning of the show, said I got a lightsaber boner with all of that. But the problem is there's no future in that strategy because you know what, what franchise does it better? Star Trek. Yeah. What does Star Trek do? Every single series that basically comes out is a different crew. It's all a, brand new it's characters. It's its own thing. All its own thing. And they establish new scenarios, new settings, new characters. And if you don't like that new scenario and that new setting, you can jump you, to a different. You, you watch another one. Another one. That is the problem that I think is the biggest psychological problem us as, uh, like Star Wars fans have. We can't let go of our nostalgia characters. Well, if you can't let go of them, you'll never get anything new. Yeah. And so, also attachments lead to hate, Dave. And we know, <laughs> and we know that hate leads to the dark side. So. so if you're looking for brand new characters, and I, I want brand new characters, but even when I thought about it, Mike, mm-hmm. the brand new characters that I've been wanting to see are all tied to comics that I know. You know, I want to see Dr. Afra. I was excited to see Black Crescent. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's talk about that for a second and f- let's let this, you know, seamlessly parlay into our discussion on FET briefly before we close out today's show. So FET had a great thing going. I was an advocate for those first three episodes. And even though as a Star Wars fan, 
I was a little disenchanted with the idea that this was not the FET that we had all thought we would get. This was someone who's essentially uh, neutered. He was not a killer. They tried to say he was a killer by just saying it in the final episode, but we didn't really see him kill anyone. He became a soldier for justice, which just doesn't make sense. <laughs> now, the story they were telling and trying to get us to understand did make sense if they were able to connect the dots. But even chronologically, John Favreau couldn't write a story that would make sense linearly. Yes. Linearly. Because we didn't understand that Fett was essentially with the Tuscans for five years. If we had known that from the beginning, I don't think anyone would have gotten upset that he had changed because that does justify his change. It was the Kevin Costner dances with wolves scenario. He spent time with the natives and he went native, as they say. So that does make sense. But we are wondering why is he so fucking different? And they don't even let us know that five years has passed until I want to say episode five. And then you're like, okay, now that that story would work just fine. The story that Favreau was trying to tell does work. The idea of Fett changing. I'm fine with. He learns a better way. The idea that he wants something for himself, that being a bounty hunter isn't quite working, and that it's time that he works for himself, that's a story that works. But they were unable to successfully tell that story because they didn't stick to that story. And rather than giving us a story that revolved around Fett, it really didn't evolve around anyone in particular. It was almost like an anthology yes. after episode three. And it became about random characters and scenarios. And then the finale, you bring in Cad Bane, who is one of the most iconic characters <laughs> in Star Wars of all time. If yeah. you've read all the comics and if you've watched all the cartoons, you would know who this character is. But you also have to remember that one or 2% base. Was it one or 2%? I think it's 2%. What did the writer say that we interviewed? He said that only like a fraction of the live action audience actually watches the cartoons yes. and the comics. So he said, you can't rely on that to tell your story. You have to reestablish things. And I agree with that. So they introduce a character with no background. You don't know anything about that. Imagine someone who hasn't watched Clone Wars. <laughs> You would be confused. Who is this character? Oh, absolutely. I have no idea. Why is he such a badass? What's his connection to Fett? Why does it matter that Fett killed Cad Bane? Because it does matter, but not in that show. Not in that show. Because there's no establishing why it matters. Why he killed Cad Bane. And honestly, I would rather have not gotten the Luke scenes, even though they were amazing, and saved them for, for the Mandalorian. We shouldn't have got Grogu. Yeah. We should have gotten Ahsoka. We could have gotten Mandalorian. That would make sense. But the story should have revolved completely around Fett. And the story shouldn't have been about the Pikes, necessarily. It should have been about Cad Bane, since you used him as that bookend. Cad Bane should have been the villain in the shadows from day one. He should have been the one to kill all of the same people. It should have been him. It should have been his directive. He should have been throughout the entire film or the entire series. Then it would have mattered. There would have been an establishment there. There was no establishing him. They just threw him in and then had him face off with Fett. And none of us understood why he faced off against Cad Bane 
when he should have been facing off against the Pikes since that was the story they were going with. Yeah. It should have been Fett facing off against the Pikes. Instead, the Pikes weren't even involved until the last 30 seconds. 30 seconds, and then Boba Fett's not the one that actually deals with the Pikes. It actually yeah. ends up becoming uh, yeah. uh, the assassin that deals with them. So I can look past my own story wants, but when it comes to the actual ability to write a coherent story, that's my problem with Fett. And it's sad because I do believe it started off really strong and it completely lost its, its own identity after episode three and it became something entirely different. They didn't stick to their guns. And going back to what yes. Raina said, she made a great point about establishing new characters and Black Chrysanthemum because imagine if this was the series where they really gave Timothy Oliphant the reins. Yeah. He's a great new character. Black Chrysanthemum. A great new character. And let's call Cad Bane a new character as well, because he is to the live action. Imagine if the entire series revolved around Fett and those three characters. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, Cobb Vanth? Yeah. That would have been a really interesting story. And at the same time, you're not regurgitating. You're showing that you're confident in your story because with your inclusion of Luke and Ahsoka, you're not confident. Yes. That's what it looks like to me. You're not confident in your Fett story. So create this story that's about those key characters. And suddenly we now leave Fett season one with three fully established new faces that the fans could rally behind. Cab Vanth, Cab Bane, and Black Chrysanthemum. But no, they don't. It's, a, it's very weird, very weird decisions they made. And I don't quite understand why they did certain things other than the fact that Filoni just doesn't know how to write a series. Not Filoni. Or not Fil I'm sorry. Jesus. No, Filoni's amazing. I'm sorry, Filoni. Don't make, me, don't make me throw a cowboy at you. No, Filoni does know how to write. I'm, yes. I think it comes down to the fact that John Favreau needs to quit wearing all the hats. He is the producer. He's the writer. He's the director. The things he didn't write and didn't direct... I take that back. Rodriguez also didn't do very well. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you have to bring that Bob up. Bavaro wrote every single episode except the best episode of the year. Just like he did, by the way, in Mandalorian season two. Yeah. Who wrote the best episode and directed the best episode in Mandalorian season two? Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni. Who wrote the best and directed the best episode in Fett? Dave Filoni. Bavaro doesn't understand how to write TV very well he should just recognize that and just dispense story ideas because he does have decent ideas oh yeah, yeah he should be the he should be a true executive producer and should create ideas and like okay let's do this this and that and then he needs to get a fucking writing room all the problems I have would probably go away if he had a writing room he doesn't even have a writing room well the thing I I hate to say don't, don't hate to say it. John Favreau is not approaching this series as a filmmaker like he would with any other film. He's approaching it as a fan. And that's the problem. That is ultimately the problem. Because when you look at how he how he's trying to write, he's doing all these fan things that he we as fans all understand why you want to see it. Why would you want why would you not want to see Boba Fett on the Rancor? Of course. Go ahead and see it because that's a fan thing. I've always told people that ask me about like my feelings of Boba Fett 
And I tell them it's fun. It's a fun series. But when you look at the writing, it's like watching two kids taking their Star Wars toys and playing with them. And that's cool. That's cool because I was a Star Wars kid. I know how that feels. But if you're asking me to break down the story critically, that's where I basically say that doesn't work in that doesn't work in the real world. That does not work for trying to give us a critically acclaimed story. And I think that's the problem. So you're 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 dealing with two things here, Dave, because you're right. You're dealing with the fact that Favreau, excuse me, is it 100 percent capable of writing a television show? And then number two, you hit it right on the head. He's approaching this like a fan. He's approaching it as a fan. And that's the reason why, in my opinion, the final episode of Fett felt like a fan film. It didn't feel like true Star Wars. Yeah. It felt like a fan making a fan film. A fan film. Fan fiction, if you will, is what it felt like to me. Think of the entire Boba Fett series. I mean, those, the, 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 the episodes that really hit the mark are episodes that all us as fans gravitate towards the Ahsoka Luke scene and Grogu scene. Fantastic. But you do realize that basically that has nothing to do with the actual narrative of Boba Fett. Yeah. That's basically a fan want. Yeah. It's, that's what it is. And we got to wrap because we're hitting our hour mark, Dave. Ah. But um, I will end by saying this, and this may sound kind of gloomy and I may, uh, this doesn't mean I'm done with star Wars. I love star Wars and I will always be here for star Wars, but me and a few of my other friends who are not on this network, as well as my my brother, we had some serious discussions about Star Wars because none of them liked Fett. And they've struggled with Mandalorian as well for many of the same reasons that I have. And I feel like it comes down to a very simple reason. Are you ready? Okay. Star Wars is dead. Oh. It, it died in 2012. And it's 2012? been... 2012? Yes, when they sold it. Because... How, we keep wanting Star Wars to be what it was, but how can it be? It was a work from an auteur. George Lucas had authorship. If you don't know what an auteur is, people out there, he had authorship. It was his creative child. It was his baby for decades. How can you? as a Star Wars fan, actually think that you can take something that was completely created by one man, a singular man, not a corporation, not an entity, not a group of writers, one man, and then give it to a company and they, dis they disperse writing assignments to people and say, okay, do a Star Wars. How can they? How can we expect it to be what it was when the man who created it is no longer involved? And that's how I look at it. We were never going to get where we were because Lucas is not involved. Look at those people who read books out there like novels. What happens when the novelist dies in the midst of book nine and there's four more books? Oh, they try to get their family to actually finish it up. And it never, and it never works. Never works. Never feels right. Very seldom. Because they're not that person. TV shows like Star Trek can continue on franchises can continue on because they've always started off as visions from numerous individuals. Numerous voices have always been involved in the creative process of Star Trek. Even the very first film with Gene Roddenberry had other people involved within the creative process. Lucas has always been the singular voice. 
so what what our idea of Star Wars is is dead. And what we have now is something very different. And that's how I, as a fan, post-FET, will now look at Star Wars moving forward. And that will help temper some of my expectations. Like, it's just not going to be what it was. It's not logical to think that it will be. Now, you have people like Dave Filoni, who worked under Lucas for many, many years. And he is capable, in my opinion, of capturing the Lucas spirit because he was an apprentice. Yes. Of Lucas. He was tutored by Lucas. So that's a little different. Well, that's why that's why it's really important for like series like an Obi-Wan to succeed, because now you're looking at the the quote unquote students of Dave Filoni. You're looking at Deborah Chow, who comes from that branch. Can she actually be part of this new generation? Because that's what I'm looking for, dude. I'm looking for the next person the next creative mind that's the next day Filoni yeah and now I'm not saying that we're not going to ever get anything great for Star Wars I'm not saying a movie can't be amazing but I also don't think it's ever going to be quite like the original trilogy and the prequels and I feel like that's always going to play a part in how we receive future installments of Star Wars we're always going to compare it to what Lucas did and understandably so mm-hmm. D- does that Makes sense, or am I babbling here? No, you know, you, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Raina, what about you? Does it make sense the or truth, no? It makes sense, and it hurts. It hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah, my brother got all upset when I said that. My little brother, he's like, "Don't say it." I hate you. <laughs> but he it's agreed. Like, he's all like, "Dude, why do why do you have to say stuff like that, dude?" Because I, he's all, I didn't look at it that way, and now it makes me depressed. And I'm like, "Well, it's not that. I'm not saying we can't get great things in the future. I'm exactly. Just, I'm just saying we probably need to stop trying to compare it. Exactly. Because it's an unfair comparison. That that's the point. We got we got to let go of the teddy bear. Got to yeah. let go of it. And if we want to continue to enjoy Star Wars, we probably need to realize that it's going to be something slightly different and not quite the same. But that doesn't justify bad writing. (laughs) Someone please take the pen away from Favreau and put him in a writing class, please, please, or give him writers. Someone at Lucasfilm, please tell Favreau to have at least three writers, at least have somebody in there with him writing. (laughs) I guarantee you, I'm telling you now, if Mandalorian season three has four or five different writers involved in the process, it'll be a better series. TV is not like movies. There are too many moving parts. Very few writers are able to control every aspect of a television show. So, all right, that brings us to the end of our discussion. Hopefully that answers people's emails about Fed. I think it was pretty clear. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Reina. Thank you. And thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Depressed. I want to ride it. Ride it. I want to learn to ride this one. Grand Beast ten times its size. Ah, yes. Ha, 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 ha.